1: you feel is responsible for your team's struggles this season?
2: Well, you know, there's plenty of blame to go around, right? I mean, I'll take responsibility, right? I'm the owner. And so, um, um, yeah, listen, I ultimately, for some reason, we're not as crisp as we were last year. Um, you know, We had a lot of players perform really well last year, and this year they're not performing quite as well. Uh, what the reason is, I don't know. Um, it's a little bit above my pay grade, OK? It's not my forte. Um, you know, I'm, it doesn't mean it has to last all season. But you know, the reality is the reality. Players know it. Management knows it. I know it. And um, um, you, know, you, you know, hope is not a strategy, right? So um, this is what we're faced. We don't have a ton of options, right? I mean, you, can, you know, until we figure out where we are. Uh, there's still a lot of baseball to be played, all the euphemisms, and, uh, but, you know, I'm a realist, you know, like, it's June 28th, the trade deadline's August 1st, a little bit more than a month, we gotta get going.
3: You mentioned not wanting to act impulsively, sorry, right here, not wanting to act impulsively or fire somebody for the sake of firing somebody, can you, can you say definitively that Billy and Buck will remain in their jobs through the season?
2: Absolutely.
1: Information going into Steve Cohen's media availability on Wednesday was that the Mets owner wasn't going to make a lot of news, uh, if any, and it, it played out that way. Uh, Cohen was accountable to Mets fans who wanted to hear from him by sitting out there in front of the press and taking questions, but he basically reiterated a lot of things that we have known about the team in some cases for several years. Cohen's still looking for a team president slash CEO type uh, to replace Sandy Alderson. He's looking for a president of baseball operations. To be clear, as has always been the case, uh, Billy Eppler, the current general manager, will be a significant part of the baseball operations mix Going forward, he and Cohen have a a terrific personal chemistry. Cohen's come to like and trust Epler, and Epler will be involved in a collaborative process to identify that president of baseball operations. Could that get a little tricky because that's technically Epler's boss? That's where the particular personalities, the chemistry in the interviews and in that process are gonna come in. In terms of the rest of the season, we already knew that manager Buck Showalter and Epler aren't going anywhere. The most interesting takeaway to me is a reporter covering this team was probably Cohen's open admission that if the team uh, doesn't play well in the very near future, he's going to have to think about being a trade deadline seller. That could go a lot of different directions from veterans like Tommy Pham and Starling Marte to bigger stars like Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and even Pete Alonso. So that puts an excellent emphasis on the next few days and weeks in terms of what the short and long-term future of the Mets on the field are going to look like. In terms of how the Mets in the front office are going to look like, that's more settled with Epler already there than it may seem.
3: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Thursday, June the 29, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can join up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, Mets, no G. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as RisingApple.com. Well, anytime we do a middle-of-the-week show, it's usually an emergency show, and it's for big news. In the off-season, it's usually for big news, sometimes during the season, but usually in the regular season, there's a crisis and. Certainly after uh, marinating, it's been, oh, a little bit over 24 hours on Steve Cohen's comments at the press conference yesterday. Mets losing three of four to the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm coming to you just after the 3-2 loss. Very tough loss for the Mets here. And, you know, I know I said that I'd wait till July 4th. But looking at the standings, looking at the Mets nearly double digits out, or maybe at this point, not everything is, uh, you know, not all the results are in. But uh, after this latest loss, the Mets currently right now are um, nine games out of the final wild card spot. They're actually facing the Giants, a hot team, a team that also got off to a slow start just like the Mets this weekend. But uh, am I ready to dun the Mets? No, I, I promised you July 4th, but I'm getting the itchy trigger finger. And certainly, um, you know, this weekend is going to be kind of the Waterloo of the 2023 Mets and very likely – Based on the way they've played, based on the inconsistencies, the bad pitching, the inconsistent offense, the bullpen that uh, I, I think a lot of it is not only Diaz, but the overwork of the bullpen. I'd expect, unfortunately, that uh, ultimately in the next few days we'll be talking about the 2023 Mets and what they need to do to sell off and prepare for next year rather than reinforce and and go for a postseason spot. but. The point of this show is to talk about the message that Steve Cohen put out there, and I was debating whether or not even to do this show because anybody who's been listening to this program for any length of time, especially in recent weeks, when Steve Cohen came on and talked about his point of view on the frustration, obvious frustration of where the team is – his philosophy and how he wants to run the organization, his support of Billy Epler, his support of Buck Joel Walter, and also, which Andy Martino in the clip you heard coming in talked about, I was a little surprised to hear him say that, the penchant where if things don't get better, that they'll sell off August 1st, I don't think that's a surprise. All of this stuff that's been out there that's either been reported, you know, a column by Joel Sherman back on June 10th, uh, right around when they were swept in Atlanta, Cohen was very— uh upfront and honest about his philosophy of running the organization is his you know message that he's not George Steinbrenner he's not impulsive he's not here to just yell scream fire people capriciously and blow things up that he wants consistency he wants a good working environment he wants to evaluate the process which although the outcome hasn't been good he's been comfortable with you know maybe that the the reports of the Mets thinking about retooling not blowing the thing up At the deadline, Uh, you know, Cohen consistently, anytime you've heard him speak, you know, talk about how, you know, this is not going to be a situation where all of a sudden the Mets are going to descend into chaos and firings and and dysfunction. You know, despite all that, it took a press conference. Now, Billy Epler speaking to the media, he doesn't speak a ton. That's one thing, as he talked a little bit about the team. But Steve Cohen coming down and having to do a State of the Union first was a breath of fresh air. Because this is something that was lacking during the Wilpon years, especially the last decade of the Wilpon years, and what would ultimately happen is somebody would have to be the messenger, whether it be Alderson or Brody Van Wagenen or John Ricco or somebody that was clearly uncomfortable with delivering a message that, you know, at times you had a question whether or not they agreed with everything. I mean, how many times would Sandy Alderson go up there and cough and cough and clear his throat, which any novice body language or, or analyst of someone's intentions talks about, you know, a situation like that where you have to question whether or not the guy's truthful. Those are just basic, um, you know, basic ways that people kind of gather their thoughts when they're trying to maybe spin something, so to speak. But, you know, as I went into this press conference, I thought Steve Cohen did an excellent job, uh, and really, what I wanted to do is is give you my thoughts on it and and set up what I believe we've already really talked about, but set up where this thing is going over the next few weeks. First, you know, I want to steal a quote from a good friend of mine because I was going into the press conference thinking about all the angst, all the drama, whether it be on talk radio, Twitter, you know, the media hasn't been too bad. I mean, they've started to circle the wagon a little bit on um, buck, but, but but because of his track record and, you know, his standing in the game, he's never quite going to get the treatment that you would see a Louis Rojas or Mickey Calloway or an inexperienced manager, even someone like maybe Carlos Beltran, if he had taken the job, would get in a similar situation. They haven't quite circled the wagon on Billy Epler. Uh, but clearly there was a feeding frenzy from the media about a firing, something that they wanted Cohen to show that he was Steinbrenner because that's how he's been positioned since – He was brought into the league for a variety of reasons. But I was looking at a buddy of mine, uh, Joe Casal. You guys know Joe, former agent. He's in the sports media biz. And he came on this show during the lockout because as a former agent, as somebody who has been deeply involved in the business side of sports and on the athlete side, you don't want to talk about the lockout. But he's also a fan now and is a big Yankees fan. And Joe has been very critical of the Yankees. And he had wrote on Facebook – what he expects out of an organization that he roots for and i thought it was pretty appropriate for this show he wants teams and he and, and it's really it's not about winning championships Joe never said anything about winning championships he wants the team to play hard compete play heads up you know those are not always the same thing playing hard and playing heads up sometimes they're not synonymous but those are some basic tenets that he expects out of a club. And it's not a lot to, to ask, really, for professional baseball players. Sometimes it seems like a lot, but it's really not a lot. And then he wants transparency from the organization, from the ownership on down, to understand what their thoughts are on the team, what their philosophy is. And what he's seeing with his eyes is what this team is seeing. He doesn't want any spin. He doesn't want this to be a, a White House press conference or a political spin or a political show. He just wants it to be straight up hate. Our team is good because of this. Our team is bad because of this. Here's where we're going, you know, and, and what have you. And I have to agree with, with all those points. And as I get older, I ask myself, you know, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, with the way the Mets are playing with the situation, I'd be just like everybody else and getting all hopped up and yelling and screaming. And, you know, we got to show some – somebody's got to be the sacrificial lamb, all these – Things that are talk radio narratives or fan narratives. Somebody needs to be punished because I'm angry. I didn't get what I want. I'm upset with the way the team is playing. I'm upset with the way the season is. And quite frankly, that's, as I've said for weeks and weeks and weeks, that's not how businesses are run. Now, I don't think the Mets have played all that heads up this year. Not in comparison to what they were last year. Not what you would expect from a Buck Showalter team. Not all the time this year have they not have they been sloppy like they've been the last couple of weeks, especially the month of June, but more so than you would expect. I do think it's a team that plays hard and competes. I think it's a team that cares. I think it's a team that's been weighed down by pressure and expectations. It's been weighed down by the loss of a key component of their team. And probably Edwin Diaz, when I said in spring training, Edwin Diaz was somebody that, out of all the stars on the team, he was the one that I'd... I felt they could afford to lose, and boy, have I been wrong. I think it really, Diaz, because of the weapon that he was, especially in close games, I think ripping him out of that bullpen created a ripple effect, but I also think it ripped a bit of the heart and soul out of this team. And it's crazy that I'm saying that, but but it, but but it, but it but he did. And, you know, I think after yesterday, listening to Cullen, I think you're getting transparency. I definitely think you're getting... Look, he told you everything you wanted to hear. He took accountability. Yes, I saw some of the comments, uh, especially from Evan Roberts, that uh, he felt that the lack of a farm system, something that Cohen pointed out numerous times, was a shot at the wool ponds. That's fact. The Mets have done a poor job. I don't even think it's drafting. I think it's player development. I don't think all of this is trading away prospects. I think some of this is player development, which goes way back. You know, goes way back prior to Cohen's ownership. Uh, he talked about not being unhappy with Billy Epler and Buck Walter. If anything, you learned during the press conference that Billy Epler might be getting a bigger role with this organization where he's going to help select the president of baseball operations, which is crazy because that's going to be his boss. That tells you how much respect and how much trust that Steve Cohen has in Epler. And for anybody who's, and I know there's been so much debate about Buck Schollwalter, especially with his bullpen management, with some moves he's made lately, with the lineups and, and the amount of time guys like Beatty and Alvarez get and, and also other rookies like Vientos when he was here, you know, the buck's not going anywhere. And it's the biggest message, and I've been telling you guys this for weeks and weeks and weeks, you cannot create any kind of workplace culture. You cannot dispel the knocks that Cohen got through his first couple of years owning the Mets where it seemed like nobody wanted to take an interview and put themselves in the hot seat for what, you know, this is a desirable job. I mean, this is a jewel team. It's in New York. It is, you know, it's not the, the Cubs or the Cardinals or the Yankees who were one of some of the original teams in the league, but it's a team that's 60 years old almost. And, you know, well, actually, he is sixty years old. What am I talking about? Sixty years old, not almost. He is sixty years old. Get my math wrong, and 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 it is an iconic franchise. And you can't get everybody to work here because of what they heard about Cohen, and they read the book Black Edge, and you know they're afraid he's George Steinbrenner. And then when there's an opportunity for him to show that he's not that, he's getting criticized by the media. When if he acted the way the media wanted wants him to, and the fans want him to, he's gonna perpetuate the same narrative, and probably if he wanted to make a move and fire Billy Epler, probably not be able to get anybody of quality because they're going to say, look, Billy Epler won 101 games. Buck Showalter won 101 games last year. They turned this franchise around in less than a year, made it to the playoffs. Yeah, they fizzled out there at the end. And here a year later, they're struggling, and there's some legitimate reasons when you start to look at injuries and underperformance, and, and maybe they – Miscalculated the pitch clock, and maybe they miscalculated the age on the team, and maybe some of the work of their analytics team and the labs they've put together with the pitchers not necessarily come into fruition. And here you are, there's a bump of the road, and they've been bad in June. And they're probably a team that, and I've said this for months, for weeks, looks very 500 ish or mid 70s ish in terms of win total. And that person's looking and saying, well, if if that's the way this is going to go down in New York where you win one year and if you have sort of a reboot and struggle, you're gone. I mean, there's no cushion here. Why would I want to do that? Yeah, you get paid. You get a contract. You maybe get some kind of severance out of the deal. But nobody wants to have their career in baseball go that way. And you also have to look at, as Cohen comes into this thing this year, the kind of chaos that has enveloped this team way before him. I mean, think about it. You had Alderson got sick in 2018. You had the three GMs for the rest of that year, J.P. Ricciardi, Omar Minaya, John John Ricco. And then they hire Brody Van Wagenen. And then Brody gets fired. Cohen comes in, needs to be approved by the owner, so they bring back good old Sandy Alderson. Now he's better. He's in remission. Thank God. Nobody wants to see anybody go through that. Alderson comes in. Game is clearly passed him by. It was starting to pass him by in 2018. Brings in some youngish guys, uh, uh, Porter and Zach Scott, uh, Jared Porter and Zach Scott, both get themselves canned for off-the-field issues. Zach Scott may have made an awful trade. Now, I supported it, so count me in. The Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez rental, you know, Crow Armstrong was hurt, Had very had no minor league got bats to evaluate him on. It was all about talent. And they botched that maybe because Pika Armstrong is like a top ten prospect in baseball. Um, they have to go back to Alderson and then they bring in Billy Upler. And you know, you have the Collins, Callaway, Beltron, Rojas, Buck Carousel with the managers. So you start to look at this, and as Cohen sits down and talks to the media on Wednesday, you know, everybody's looking for blood. Everybody's looking for him to throw over the proverbial table and start firing people. And you start to ask yourself, since the stability where Collins was the manager, Terry Collins the manager for seven years, Sandy Alderson came in 2010, and up until he got sick, he would have still probably been the – Sandy Alderson would have been the GM until he didn't want to be if he didn't get sick. I mean, he would have had a decade run if he didn't get sick in 2018. I mean, to the Mets had, for all the complaints you could have about Wilpon ownership, for all the complaints I had about Collins as a manager – you and I have had about Alderson, what he was or wasn't as a GM. Up until June of 2018, when he stepped down for health issues, the Mets had tremendous stability. Tremendous stability. And since 2018, they have it. Ownership changes. Wilpons are out. Cohen's in. Cohen's out. Will Pons back in. Cohen buys the team. I mean, it's a whirlwind. And you got to think about the opportunities that they've lost in hiring guys in player development opportunity that they've lost in hiring uh, those in analytics. And as it all gets put together, you know, and I said this, this is not a first guess. This is not a rationalization. If you go back to last year, I even questioned as the year goes on, hey, in this little window here as the Mets try to rebuild themselves under the Steve Cohen ownership, was last year their best shot? They were ahead of the, the, the curve. You could buy and spend your way into some sort of, contention. That does not mean you're going to win 100 games. That does not mean you're going to get to the World Series. All it guarantees you is that you're eliminating some of the probabilistic, again, I hear I sound like Billy Epler, uh, outcomes that could lead to bad things happening. You're able to buy yourself prospects. You're able to buy yourself veteran depth that you could pay for to go you know, to Syracuse and, and wait to see if they get the call. Danny Mendix of the world, things like that. Uh, It doesn't guarantee that everything's going to go swimmingly. And quite honestly, as you can see, free agents are expensive. And to build an entire pitching staff and a good portion of the roster on uh, imports becomes problematic because you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Billy Apple had a perfect offseason 2021 into 2022. From the minute Stephen Matt said no to Steve Cohen and his money and the Mets went gangbusters on Black Friday up until – That Atlanta series in September, everything these guys touched was gold. And that's not real. That's not real. We knew it was going to swing back a little bit. Did we think it was going to swing back this harshly? No, but it did. So when Cohen is sitting here and he's talking to you guys, he's talking to all of us and talking about the process, uh, ultimately the only thing we can do, and I said this again time and time again weeks ago, the only thing we can do is sit in the back of the cab and enjoy the ride. You have an owner who cares. You have an owner who has a ton of money. He did start to tell you, and, and if you heard him, he said it, um, he's losing a lot of money. He doesn't want to lose this kind of money every year. He's willing to do it as they build up the farm system. There is a limit to this. So look, there's There's accountability. It's not like Billy Epler is going to sit here, spend money after money after money, maybe kind of like what Isaiah Thomas did with Dolan for a little bit, you know, back uh, about 20 years ago, and not have any repercussions. I mean, they don't have contracts into perpetuity. And obviously, Epler is going to be part of a a team that's going to be bringing in a president of baseball operations, probably David Stearns. But we'll see. We'll see how that all goes. Um. You know, you really can't walk away from this with anything but a feeling of, hey, the owner cares. There is a process. They're not going to explain everything to us. I may not like Buck. I may not like Billy Epler. But if it's good enough for the owner at this point, who are we to judge and to demand there to be changes? I see the, the commentary that the Steve Cohen honeymoon is over. Why isn't this what we wanted under Wilpons uh, ownership? Did you want them to come out and be transparent? Did you want them to come out and take accountability for the results? I mean, do you want to go back to hearing Brody Van Wagenen, you know, who was a really, a as a former agent, a great salesman? That's why I thought it was a great hire for the Wilpons. They needed somebody like that. They needed somebody to sell others on the organization, they needed someone who could sell the media. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. You want to hear Alderson and the coughing and the the lawyer talk? Is that what you want to hear? I thought the guy sat up there and said, okay, let's have a chat about how you feel about this team and about what I think. And and really, I've said for a long time that – the and this is why I wanted a very strong veteran manager because these are the kind of conversations and transparency that all-time great managers, they get that that cachet from the media. They can be respected. Now, I think Buck, over the last couple of weeks, maybe because it's part of frustration, maybe it's part of him – Protecting his club. Uh, I don't think he's done great with the media. I think he's been combative to a certain degree. Not in a nasty way. I think he's used cliches and some deflectionary comments to protect his players. I don't know if I would. I guess I would say this. You can't use the media as a message like you used to back during the Bill Parcells, Pat Riley, Davey Johnson, those kind of days. It's not going to work. It doesn't happen anymore. It blows up. Social media probably has something to do with it. It creates probably more issues than you know it's worth. When you had a few reporters and you had only radio and television as a medium, maybe you could control that messaging a little bit better than how it would get wildly out of control now with all the mediums of exchange that you know fans have to and, and members of the media to go out there and 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 chat about whatever was said after the game. So. You know, I think Buck has has maybe not done as good a job as I thought he's done in the past. But let's also face the facts. They were charmed last year. So while well, they're winning 101 games, Buck could, you know, talk about Shakira. Or is that how I say Shakira? Whatever it is. Or whatever kind of goofy comment he would make during the pregame or postgame. You know, self-deprecating things about his age or his coolness or whatever, like, you know, whatever it may be. Nobody cares when you're winning 100 games. They care when you're eight games, nine games, you know. Under 500, 9, 10 games out of the wild card, they care. But the owner came out there and did what you expected. And I still see some discontent, but I don't know what more you want. The guy basically says, I'm holding people accountable. I'm not going to lose money forever. I'm constantly in contact with Buck and Billy. I'm watching what they do. He did admit picking the players and being a president of baseball operation and and him being kind of a pseudo-George Steinbrenner that's involved day in and day out, not going to be a good thing because this is not his ballywig. He's an investor. He runs a hedge fund. He's a He's a finance guy. He's not a GM. So I don't think you could walk away feeling bad about the Mets. I don't think you could walk away feeling any worse than you did. Now, you're not happy about the situation they're in, and I go back to what I said at the beginning. My our friend my friend Joe Casal, what he said, why am I not screaming and yelling? Because I feel they have a plan in place. They certainly want to spend money. They certainly seem to have a plan in place to beef up the analytics, maybe too much, to draft and try to develop players in the farm system. We're going to have a show in the next, you know, we're going to have another show, trust me. We'll have a show, and we're going to start looking at the farm system. We're going to start to see what, is down there because, unfortunately, uh, that's where this season's going. That's exactly where this season's going. Is there's, there's no two ways about it. We're gonna have to start looking at the farm system. Are there players to get excited about that are in Double A or High A or maybe not as far away from the big leagues as we think? And then really, and I, I, I'm surprised that Martino said this was a surprise because I, I don't think it was. There's gonna be a, the trading of the veterans. Now, how deep this goes, it'll be interesting. I think if they trade a Scherzer or a Verlander, it's going to be a sweet package that they can't say no to. Or maybe there's some pitchers that are a little closer to the big leagues and they're high on that are in double-A or making their way into Syracuse as the year goes on or maybe at some point middle of next season that we're not talking about that they say, hey, we can afford to do this. We have more pitching coming on the way because – me, to me, trading Scherzer or overlander, with the dearth of pitching they've already shown this year and knowing that Carrasco's not gonna probably be on the club next year. You don't know what the futures of Peterson and McGill are. I know Peterson had a great outing this week, but it's one outing. I mean, the Brewers are in first place, but they're not exactly a powerhouse offensive team. You know, we just watch them, you know, plucky little team that's built on bullpen. So You know, it will be interesting where this goes. I still am in the camp that, and I said this on Sunday, the Martes, the Canas, the Fams, the Robertsons, the Adovinos, the Raley's, replaceable guys. And maybe Marte starts to go out of the replaceable guys into the somewhat of the core of the veterans on the team. But see what you can get. You know, maybe you overhaul this farm system in the next 30 to 40 days and now you're younger you have assets assets that either you could use to round at the roster or for trades variety of things and you move on so I mean Cohen sounds like he's on point with everything that we would want everything that we've talked about on this show that as fans as educated fans like let's remember I think that you guys that listen to this program and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this just because of me, because I'm just, you know, another voice out there. But I think we've built this program together with the way we interact. By it's This is about us looking at the Mets in an educated way. And why am I not mad? Because they're transparent, the organization. I think the team is playing hard. I think they're not playing all that heads up. But I don't necessarily think it's because of lack of effort or because they've checked out. Look, I've watched Mets baseball now for a long time. And when I see things that fans say this is the most embarrassing Mets season in history or the most embarrassing team they've ever been around, then you haven't been watching Mets baseball. I was around for 92 and 93. That got ugly. That got ugly in the clubhouse with the media. There was a lot of veterans that were toxic on that team. There were veterans that were bad off-the-field examples. I watched the Mets in the Art Howe years, post-Kazmere trade. Not fun at Shea Stadium back then. I mean, Mania came in and injected some juice into it, but hey. And then when Sandy Alderson was hired and they fired Omar Manaya, maybe there was more in the farm system than we thought. The Jacob deGroms of the world and I think Matt Harvey had already been drafted at that point. Steven Matz was in the organization. But let's face it, it was a hopeless feeling back then because Madoff's situation was just upon them. I think it actually just was you know, months away from that. And you know, you you didn't know how long it was gonna to take to rebuild the organization. I mean, there was talk of them going the Cubs Astros route and really tearing it down and doing a five year rebuild. And sure enough, it took them five years to get back to the postseason and they made it to the World Series. But um in October of twenty ten, when that thing was 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 broken down, when Mania was fired, after all the hope of O six, I mean, you still felt O six was close enough. That fun summer, where how can this be? How can this be turning so quickly? That was hopelessness. This to me is frustrating. It's not ugly, it's frustrating because you thought that this was something that was in the past. You knew they were eventually going to have bad seasons of the Cohen. Shoot, their first season of the Cohen fizzled out with a poor August and September, and they only won 77 games. But it wasn't like for the rest of eternity that because Cohen has a lot of money, and I've said this a number of times there was going to be a yellow brick road for Mets fans. There's no yellow brick road. But I will say, and I know I've gotten grief for this, but this is a tough place to play. This is a tough team to own. Steve Phillips has talked about the challenges of it, how you're in the same market as the Yankees. They've got 27 World Series. You have two. Now you have the money that the Yankees have, maybe more. And it almost like the money is creating enhanced expectations where now it's even more of a yoke around the players' necks, the GM's necks, the owner's neck, the manager's neck. Because it's like now you don't have any excuses. Yeah, before you were in the market with the Yankees. You had the same expectation of the Yankees without the money. And then you have all this baggage of disappointing ends and finishes that, you know, maybe things could have been different over the prior 30 years. Now the money's supposed to erase that and make that go away, and it's not happening because it doesn't happen that way. I mean, look uh, 3,000 miles west. San Diego's in the same spot. Very disappointing. And maybe they had a better roster going into this season. You could argue they they had much better roster in some cases, especially when Diaz went down. So, I mean, the long and short of it is, and I'd be curious to hear, look, I'd love to hear from you. You know I know, look, I got cranky last week on Sunday, I started yelling, I got an email from one of our loyal fans. he says, mike, you know you you yelled at the fans today and I look I even I recognized it while i was was doing the the show, but I was frustrated because what Cohen came out and said and how he said it was exactly what he's been saying for a while. what has been reported by reputable reporters for a while was the way things have to be run, as I've told you, anybody who's an educated baseball fan that puts the emotions of fandom to the side knows you can't just take this thing that you built in November of 2021 and here in June of 2023, you start ripping it apart because it ain't going well. I mean, it drives you nuts in the NBA how the turnover of coaches. I mean, look at the Knicks. They just started, whether you like the Knicks or not, whether you like what's going on there, you're maybe your Nets fan or whatever it may be. You know, they've ripped up their team to try to go for it, but they have stability. They have the same GM, they have the same owner. I mean, you don't like Dolan Fine, you know. They finally seem to have built some continuity after years of coaching change and coaching change and bring Phil Jackson in and Isaiah Thomas and Mike D'Antoni, and you just go on and on and on and on. And every time you did these reboots, there was a promise of a better tomorrow, but everything that you had built up, even if it was for a year or two, you're back to square one because when you fire a GM, you're firing essentially the entire front office because the new guy coming in is going to want to bring in their own people. They might want to bring in a different philosophy in some cases. You can't, you can't run a business that way. You can't run a baseball team that way. Now, that doesn't mean he has a job in perpetuity. And when the president of baseball operations comes in, if it's Stearns or somebody else, it will be interesting what kind of color they add to it. But they've got to get their feet wet and learn the organization. This is going to take time. And I know Cohen, and maybe he shouldn't have said it, I want to win a World Series in three to five years. I remember him saying that at his first press conference. It was honest. But asking that of a team that, was in the spot, reeling from the sign-stealing scandal that they got looped into, reeling from the transition from the, the big five pitchers to what they were going to be, and not having a farm system of available talent that was readily Major League 40-man roster, 26-man roster available because they weren't good enough, that's asking a lot. The fact that they're not a disaster, and I'm not trying to take away—this is a— This is horrible what's going on. But by rights, you know, them trying to go for it and win it while they're doing all this stuff is commendable. That's all you can ask for from an owner. A lot of owners would come in to save money, would knock this thing to shreds and say, you know, you got five years. Build this thing up. Save me some money for the next three, four years. We'll see you in 2028 and we'll contend then. Till then. Just keep selling them on the future. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. you got to respect that. He's saying, I'm willing to lose money to try to win now while Billy Epler and the front office builds up the farm system. Now, are there guys down there? I'll have a show. You know, Mets are off the day before the 4th of July. We'll have another show this week. And we'll have something for you to ponder. I'm working on something pretty cool that should, uh, you know, give us something to talk about over the holiday. But... There's only one thing you can walk away with from the Steve Cohen press conference. You have an owner that cares, an owner that's very involved in wanting to win, but an owner that has picked his team wants to support his team and is going to ride this thing out. And all we could do now is ride this season out along with them. And probably in a few days when we officially on the talking Mets say, Hey, they ain't making the playoffs. It's rebuild. It's reboot. Whatever you want to call phase. We'll be talking about the trade deadline and being sellers with an eye towards 2023, and an offseason that it will be interesting because the winter of Otani is not that far away, and look at what Otani's done with hitting a, a billion home runs here in the month of June. Will be interesting to see if the Mets could get in that bidding. They've surprised everybody the last couple of off seasons with big free agent signings, the kind of free agent signings that you weren't used to the Mets doing. Can they do more of that? We'll see. So it's a lot of looking towards tomorrow very soon, as soon as next week, as soon as a couple of days, but I think for today we could take, you know, a little warmth and knowing, hey, this isn't a rudderless ship. The owner is there, the owner is watching, and he has a plan. And what more could you ask for? Like our my buddy Joe Casal said on Facebook, I want a team that plays hard. I want an ownership that is transparent and gives a you know what. And if those two things are in place, eventually you think the process will lead to success. And that's why I'm not getting crazy, yelling and screaming, demanding that this happen, that happen. That's hot air. If you want that kind of entertaining show, that's not what you're going to get here. As a fan, that kind of negative energy, I don't find that productive because both of those things, I think, are existing on this current Mets club. And I do believe the guys in charge will be guys that will be around at least for the next couple of years. I think Buck will be here at least for another year. We'll see if they renew his contract. Billy Epler, it sounds like, He's going to be ensconced right along with the president of baseball operations. Cohen believes in him. Listen to Andy Martino. Cohen believes in him. He's built a good rapport with him. And remember something. If you're Cohen, the guy that took the job when 8, 9, 10 people said no, there's a certain amount of loyalty that comes with that. And it's not blind loyalty where you, you know, absolve him of any kind of poor performance. But you're going to give guys like that a little more rope to hang themselves because, let's face it, when you needed him, he was there. Now he needs you. You need to show the support. That's being a good boss as long as you're holding him accountable. So anyway, that's the State of the Union here on this midweek edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and do the show on Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at No G. Mike Silva at You can get mine on Instagram, no, no G. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for the support of this show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with another Mets Podcast in a few days. Until then, take care, everybody. Peace.
0: But